Well, good day uh, to everybody at the Hudson Community Baptist Church and uh, to our friends and visitors to our to our website. Uh, welcome to our virtual church service. I think this might be the first one that we've ever had. And uh, we hope to bring you an abbreviated service. Uh, we won't have all the things we normally have. Uh, we won't have singing. I will not be singing a solo. Uh, and you can thank me for that. Uh, so we're not quite ready for everything, but uh, we're getting there. Thanks a lot for joining us uh, today uh, for this short worship service. Uh, thank you again to everyone in our extended church family and for your support. We're working hard uh, together to support our government, to support our health leaders, uh, what they require from us as members of our society. And we really appreciate the part that you're doing uh, together with us. Uh, to try and help uh, in the epidemic, the coronavirus epidemic that we have going on and uh, trying very, very hard to keep it from becoming a crisis because thankfully today it is not yet a crisis and we do pray that uh, it won't be. In our emailing this week to you uh, that we sent out, we quoted Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 and I think these are just great verses for this time. Uh, let me read them for you. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the beauty of technology is that it allows us to, to meet together, to gather together, even if we can't be together in the same room. Uh, it isn't quite the same. We can improve on how we do this together in the coming weeks. Uh, some churches around us are already streaming services and they found ways to include dialogue and so on. Uh, and we're getting there. We'll try and improve a little bit each week. Uh, the great thing is that we have a God that is omnipresent, a God that is everywhere. And because he is everywhere, he is where we all are today at this moment. And we are gathered together in his presence, even if we're separated by distance. Uh, some of you have been asking how I'm doing because I'm in a 14-day um, self-isolation and some other members are as well in our church. I returned from a business trip uh, overseas just over a week ago, so I had to go in self-isolation. I have no symptoms. I have no, no, no disease. I don't have the flu. Uh, but it's one of those things that's being asked of me and it's being asked of others. And now we're all being asked to maintain a social distance and, uh, and to guard that distance. So it's important that we participate. I'm fortunate I'm connected virtually with my company and I can spend 10 hours in my office in, in video conference calls relating to people. Many of you don't have that same <clears throat> the same option and we know that's a challenge for you and we do, we do want to see support. We know that some are worried about the massive layoffs that are starting to be announced and this is worrisome. And when you get in times like these, we need mutual support. Some need help. Uh, you'll notice in the bulletin uh, announcement that was emailed to members, uh, in fact, to everyone that's requested to be on the list, that we're willing to help out wherever possible. If you need an errand run somewhere, you need a delivery made, they can help. We have people who just love to pray with you if you would like prayer. We can phone up, we can have prayer, we can talk. Just send your prayer request to the church office or your particular request to the church office and we'll try and connect you with the right people and we will try and support you in prayer. And as we think about that this morning, we just want to have a, a time of prayer for the situation we find ourselves in. Father, we just recognize this morning that you are a sovereign God, Lord, and that you are a good God, that you are a God of love. And Lord, that the things that are going on in, in the world today 
are within your sovereignty and your control. And Lord, we thank you that you're also a God of love and that you care for your children. And Lord, we thank you that we can lean on your arms and trust you in this situation. We don't need to fear. And Lord, we pray for our government uh, leaders. We pray for our health leaders in this stressful time. We pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, help them to make wise decisions. And Lord, we pray for medical workers who are stressed by the situation. And Lord, we pray that for the... Um, that the, that the medical people would be able to secure all the testing kits and other supplies that could be urgently needed. And Lord, we pray that you would hold back the spread of this flu, this dangerous flu, Lord, that uh, could do so much damage. And Lord, we pray as well for our church members and their families and their friends, Lord, that your protection and your love would surround us. And Lord, we pray for those in our church who may have lost employment or are afraid of losing employment. And again, Lord, we, we need to learn to trust and we pray you would give great faith each person in our church and Lord again we just conclude Lord these prayer for our society and for our people and Lord we want to express our faith that Lord you are a good God and Lord that there is no better place to put our trust than in you and we pray all these things in Jesus name amen uh, the announcements for this week are really quite brief uh, if you've taken the time to look into the bulletin that was emailed out uh, we're really just requesting that pretty much every single ministry that has groups of people be suspended. Uh, we need to do that for many reasons, and we're asking you to do it for the coming weeks until we see how things develop. We'll make an announcement when we can start meeting together in groups again. And this applies to small groups of people as well as large groups. So make use of your telephones, uh, make use of online telecommunication tools, video conference tools, um, pray together, have meetings together, but do it virtually. Uh, whenever possible unless there's a really urgent need for us to meet together uh, face to face and when we do that it should just be one-to-one -one. and remember to maintain that social distance and again if you have any practical help contact Brian Hines he's our deacon that's responsible for this kind of helping uh, acts of service in our church reach out to the church office and we'll try and connect you with people that can help and uh, it's really important we want to find ways that we can serve one another uh, just as we're encouraged to by the author of Hebrews. One of the hardest things to do these days is to sit, is to sit in isolation. Uh, I'm in my basement office 10 hours a day. Fortunately, I'm connected, but many of you are finding isolation hard. And we can only imagine that uh, it's difficult for certain people. And we do want to find ways again, once again, to touch you and to help you. And so you reach out. So at this time, I just want to take us uh, now, introduce David Lalonde. David had been on the schedule to be preaching this Sunday, and he's prepared the sermon. If the sermon doesn't start immediately when I conclude, there'll be a link on the website where you found this to, to click to hear his sermon. May God bless you and your families during this stressful, stressful time and give you peace. David, the virtual pulpit is all yours. Good morning. Wherever you are this morning, I'd like to greet you in the Lord's name. I'd like to share a few thoughts with you from the scriptures. If you have your Bible with you, please open to Matthew chapter 5. I think it's fair to say that we're living in extraordinary times. In particular, the last few weeks have challenged how we see and how we interact with the world around us. While generations before us have endured severe challenges and hardship, our generation, in particular in North America, has not really experienced something as widespread, something as all-encompassing as we are currently seeing. However, we can be encouraged that this is not something new to the human condition. For example, the Bible records quarantine or quarantine-like 
conditions in the Old Testament to manage, maintain, and protect public health, just as in a similar way we're doing that today. Several of you have also seen quotes on Facebook from uh, Martin Luther, written about 500 years ago, addressing his thoughts on this subject as he lived through trying times of his own. As a general rule, I believe and follow the medical advice being given by experts. I also remind myself that many years ago, I placed my life in God's good and trustworthy hands. He has never failed me. As David said, I was young and now I'm old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their children begging bread. I will do my best to serve him while he gives me life. And in this regard, it is good to remember the thoughts expressed in Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. This morning, I'd like to look at something that I've been thinking about and contemplating for about a month. I think I mentioned to you in my last message that Ralph usually tells me about a month in advance when I'm going to be preaching. And so it gives me some time to think about what I want to preach about. And today I would like to look at Jesus' words as he concludes what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it lays down for us how we should choose to live in both trying times and more normalized times. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 34. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's say a short prayer together. Lord, wherever we are, Lord, I pray that we would hear your word and that whatever is true would come and transform us, touch our hearts and change us. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I see in the scriptures today is that Jesus teaches foundational truth. And it's for those who want to embrace it. How should we live in both trying and more normalized times? Six times in Matthew 5, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said. I think Jesus is reminding them of their own current best understanding of the scriptures. And by using this expression repeatedly, I believe Jesus is underlining something interesting about human nature and how we choose values that we consider non-negotiable, how we choose lifestyles that we consider moral. So let's consider three examples of how we do this. Of course, there are many other examples, but I'm just choosing three. One example would be a life that's solely based on human logic and human perspective of justice. We see this attitude in a man named Lamech. This was his view of life, and this is a quote from him. I have killed a man for wounding me. 
a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged, avenged seven times, then Lamech 70 times seven. We can see the same attitude in our own lives, hopefully not to this extreme, and hopefully never expressed in violence. But when we have a conflict with a neighbor, when we feel mistreated at work, if we don't get along with our family or friends, we might be tempted to pay someone back, and we are very creative at it. I am sure we don't need examples of what we do from time to time. When we do this, most of the time we feel justified. We feel we are in the right and we are simply measuring out some form of justice. Who knows, maybe we're even helping those people by teaching them a much needed lesson. So this is my first example of how we have, as humans order our life and choose the basis for some moral code. Sometimes it is simply based on human logic or our view of justice. But there's a second way. There are people that choose to recognize there is a God and incorporate some of his views concerning morality. This is what I believe Jesus is referencing in Matthew 5 when he says six different times, he says, you have heard that it was said. These six times review important subjects that scholars had looked at and debated for centuries. Murder, adultery, divorce, retribution, oaths, and the treatment of a foe. Their debates and discussions concluded with a reasonable, rule-based approach that endured and helped their culture create a society with some degree of order, some degree of safety, and some degree, some degree of respect for human dignity. I believe what Jesus is saying, that there is something more than that. There's something more for us to find. Perhaps we have never seen it before, or perhaps we have, but the busyness of life, other things have crowded out our understanding and our perception of this. In each of the subjects that Jesus discusses, he does not condemn their effort for seeking and try to apply, trying to apply truth. I find that very interesting and encouraging. However, each time he gently points them to a much larger picture, a bigger application of the truth. Let's take the example of adultery. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus approaches each of the six subjects in the same way. And here is my summary and understanding of what is happening. I believe Jesus is saying something like this. It is good that you have a moral code that you are following. It is a positive thing to respect life and have sexual morality and to practice personal integrity. But sometimes, in your good desire to understand and apply truth, you've come up with rule-based formulas. And these can easily be bypassed. These can easily be led, lead you to being smug or having proud attitudes or practicing outright blatant hypocrisy. And these, by the way, Misfocused pride, thinking we're better than others, and hypocrisy are the very things that Jesus did condemn. I believe Jesus is saying there's more to these truths. He uses subjects that most people can understand to illustrate this. In essence, Jesus is saying, have you ever been angry at someone? Have you ever said you would do something but didn't do it? Have you ever noticed a person and checked them out a little longer than you should have? And I'm sure there were either nods in the crowd or if the people were too shy or proud to admit it, 
they recognized in their heart that he was talking about them. And the point of Jesus' teaching was not to add new rules. For example, the old rule was not to murder, the new rule is not to even get mad. The old rule was not to commit adultery, the new rule is not even to notice people. I believe it was not that. I believe it was to illustrate to us that there is more. And in this first section, we have seen Jesus taught that most of us have a view of what it is to live right. But along the way, somehow we've missed a few things. So the question is, what can empower us to see that there is more? What can give us the courage to abandon the idea that by following rules, we can live a godly life? And what can help us and guide us in those efforts? And I believe Jesus' words at the end of Matthew 5, in other words, the passage that I'm using to preach about, is the answer that addresses this. In our text today, Jesus summarizes what he has said and gives us practical guidelines to follow. We can picture this if we choose to. Jesus is on a mountainside in Galilee, and just as he would use a boat as a pulpit later on in his ministry and let the water carry his voice to the people, in this passage he uses the mountainside, possibly for the same effect, i.e. the acoustics carrying the sound of his voice to the people below. And Jesus gives a wonderful conclusion to his sermon, a practical application of what he has been teaching. And Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus is speaking to us today. His voice is coming down the mountain or across the water to us. And in the midst of our current situation, his voice can be heard above the chaos and fear cutting through the din of human effort, struggle, worry, fear, panic. And it says to us clearly, I love you. And whoever you are, I want you. And I prove this by dying on the cross for you. Ask me and I will come and be with you and comfort you. And whoever you are today, in the privacy of your home, you can whisper a prayer and Jesus will come into your life and he will be your friend and your savior and your protector because he died on the cross for me and for you. I believe this passage outlines steps to take in these difficult times, ways to live, a path to follow. So what should we do? I believe we should pray for everyone, healthcare workers, leaders like that you like and those you don't like so much, grocery store workers, cleaners, friends, neighbors, families, security officers, and many others. Pray for people. I believe we should re reassess our view of who and what the foe is in this crisis. The foe is not a group of people. The foe is not a political party. The foe is not a nationality. I believe we're called to do good and help people regardless of their views or lifestyle. I believe this was part of the summary of Jesus' sermon. I believe we should be children of light by imitating God. Be children like your Father in heaven. So as believers, how can we start to do this a little more? We want to move from just academic conversations or skilled arguments or feel-good sermons to real practical steps we can take in our behavior to help each other, 
In other words, to spread sunlight to those who need it and send rain on parched, thirsty people who need relief. Here are my suggestions. I'm sure you will have many others as you read and contemplate Matthew 5 in your own life. My first suggestion is this. Let's begin to see God in people's needs and to understand their needs as an opportunity for us to express love for God and for that person. Jesus said this in the Gospels. Then the king will say to those on his right, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That is pretty clear. We need to see other people's needs and to see God in them. God in them. And by meeting those needs, we are not only loving God, but we are loving that person. Secondly, we need to begin to reframe the conflicts in our life. In this time of crisis, we need each other. So let's stop demonizing people or groups and let's work together with others for the benefit of all. There was a beautiful story I heard this week. In New Jersey, a grocery store worker was laid off for one month. You know, there's a lot of people suffering financially right now. And if we can help people, if it's within the possibility to help somebody, let's do it. But in this story, this situation that happened this week, the store worker was laid off. He was distraught and said to his manager, how will I feed my family for the next month? A customer witnessed what would happen and called the store manager over and said, sir, I want you to let this man do grocery shopping right now and purchase enough food and supplies for one month and I will pay you for it. What a great story. And it's a true story and it happened this week in New Jersey. As we live through this crisis, let's remember God is with us. He will help us. And whatever happens, we have chosen to live for him. Let's be hopeful people. Let's be positive people. Let's remember that there are many good people around us like that man in New Jersey. Some we know and some we don't know. And let's be one of them. Helping each other as opportunity arises. Let's see attempts to resolve conflicts as opportunities for us to demonstrate our faith in God and our commitment to live a life that honors Him. For example, perhaps a conflict with your neighbor, with your co-worker, is not about them at all. Perhaps this is a situation that has been placed in our path, my path, your path, over and over again so that we can begin to learn, we can begin to respond, to live, and to love God His way. In these uncertain times, let us be giving people. If we are to apply Jesus' teaching, then giving is a key. Be generous with your money. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your words. Look out and reach out to people in this difficult time. There are a few things that we will never compromise. For example, the fundamental truths of the Bible. But most of our conflicts are not theological. They revolve around selfish behavior. Our perceptions that we are always right, others are wrong, and so are self-evident, why don't they see it? So we fight about the unimportant. Paint colors, budgets, the way our neighbor cuts or does not cut their grass. 
and truly important things get left behind in the silliness. Jesus used exaggeration to illustrate truth. And one day Jesus told religious people, you know what? You're very careful to strain out gnats, that is, tiny bugs from your drinking water and drinks, because they are religiously and spiritually unclean to you. But you swallow a camel. It was meant as an exaggerated story, perhaps comical, I'm not sure, but an exaggeration for sure to get their attention. And Jesus was saying you focus so much on the tiny things that you don't see the truly large, important things. And, the, and in these uncertain times, let's place value on people. And let's let certain minor issues slide away and not occupy our thoughts or our energy. So what have we looked at today? In our search to find and decide on values and moral order in our lives, we tend to gravitate toward rules. That's the way we are. Jesus teaches us that there is more and the more is found and expressed in our view and our treatment of others. Jesus said, be like your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He causes his son to rise, I'm sorry, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. I would encourage you to read Matthew 5 and send me your thoughts and ideas about the passage. Now, may God keep you and bless you this week and remember that he is with you. You are not alone. We are in this together. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God bless you. Bye for now.